0: Discovering stories of courage, determination, and hope. Welcome to Faith Radio's On The Road. Now, here's Ryan Thomas.
1: Life is sure I want to live it well. One life, one story to tell. Life is sure I want to live it well. And you're the one I'm living
0: for. The growing up in the green room of Saturday Night Live, being born to a fire eater and adopted by a SWAT cop having internal organs explode and adopting a deaf girl from China. Scarlett Vital has been given some strange life experiences and she says she's lived in fear through most of them. But life changed for Scarlett when she learned to hold the gospel up to her fears and realized though she can't fix herself or protect herself, Jesus walked into this broken place to rescue, love, and cast out her and our fears. It's the remarkable story and great news she shares in her one-of-a-kind new book, Afraid of All the Things, Tornadoes, <laughs> Cancer, Adoption, and Other Stuff You Need the Gospel For. And Scarlett Vital joins us today on the road. The warmest of welcomes to you, Scarlett. It is a treat to have you here today.
2: Hi, Ryan. Thank you so much for having me. So
0: before we take our run at fear, the introductory bio here is so epic. I think we could pretty much spend the day (laughs) unpacking it. But just to deal with growing up in the green room of Saturday Night Live, how did you find yourself there as a kiddo?
2: Well, my mom was on the show. So she, um, she got cast on the show as a cast member when I was six months old. So there you go. So that's how I found myself there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's a really, really good reason to be there. And what's your mom's name?
2: Victoria Jackson.
0: Okay. So many
2: voice handstands.
0: Blonde. Many of our listening friends will know exactly what you're talking about there. The SNL viewers especially. It
2: was a colorful childhood.
0: <laughs> that is an excellent summary. Well, in your SNL days, it was something you write about that's that's really quite entertaining. And I love the style with which you write as well, Scarlett. I mean, there's so much humor and you're, you, it's... It's such an exciting journey, right? Because you're going through things that are very, very serious. And then you say it in such an entertaining way. It really keeps you on your toes. So first of all, well done.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: The great John Lovitz, the comedian and the actor, you tell a very entertaining yes. story about how he would intentionally confuse you there and your cat in the green room of SNL. Could you tell us that one?
2: Yeah. It's So this is one of my few people ask me, what it was like to grow up there. And most of my memories are kind of boring and childlike because I was a little kid and I didn't realize how cool it was, you know? Um, But with him, you know, he'd come to our house and I had a cat named Flippy and um, I named the cat Flippy because he would kind of do flips on the bottom of our bar stools in the kitchen. So he would come in the house and he'd say, he'd look at me and he'd say, hello, Flippy. And then he'd look at my cat and say, hello, Scarlet, And I thought that was so funny and it was our little thing. And, um, and then, you know, fast forward, years and years i become an adult i have kids i you know i hadn't seen him in forever and he was doing stand up here in nashville i live right outside of nashville and um, i walked backstage to say hi to him and that's the first thing he said hello flippy <laughs> <laughs> so you know now that i'm an adult it's like wow that was a really neat thing but yeah. back then i didn't appreciate it
0: <laughs> of course you were a kid you were worried about the, the was it the jam packets you were worried about the juice yeah. packets
2: yeah, I wanted, I liked eating jelly playing out of the packet. So that's, that was like my core, core SNL <laughs> is, memory um, is that, the jelly packet. So there you go.
0: I love it. So you've explained that you basically wrote the first draft of this book at age nine. Uh, what did that yeah. look like? Most nine-year-olds haven't penned first drafts for eventually published books.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, I actually have it. In a drawer right here, because my mom saved it. Um, yeah, what did it look like? So I wrote back cover copy that in the third person that says, um, "Scarlet has many troubles and ulcers. Will she ever overcome her fears? Read the book to find out." And oh, it's like yeah. I, th- I think it's hilarious. I mean, it might be sad, but I think mean, it's so funny. You know, it's <laughs> stuff like I got a bad haircut. My dog. I had to give my dog to my grandma. And then it's like silly stuff like that. And then it's also like my parents are getting divorced. And it was just all these things I was afraid of. And I was raised in church. So I knew about Jesus, but I didn't have a relationship with Jesus yet. So it's just kind of this long book of fears. Um, And I loved writing. And so I always wanted to write books. And so it's just the coolest thing that I got to do it and know Jesus. And so It's not just um, (laughs) a list of fears. It has some hope in it, you know?
0: Absolutely. That comes into the story (laughs) in such a powerful way. That's also awesome, though, just to pick up on that thread that you knew from an early age, you know, what your purpose was going to look like. You knew what you wanted to do. That's really special. That's a gift.
2: Man, I don't know. It's like the one thing I've always loved doing. So I'm really thankful.
0: Well, Scarlett Hilta Vidal is with us today, author of Afraid of All the Things, Tornadoes, Cancer, Adoption, and Other Stuff You Need the Gospel for. Just an incredible story. You have and share some pretty vivid memories that you wrote about the first time you really recall being impacted by fear and anxiety. Can you take us back to that
2: point and share that? when my parents got divorced is like my first actual memory of fear. Exactly. Yep. Um, yeah. So, you know, until then I had a happy life. Everything was fun and happy. I grew up with comedians who were making people laugh all the time. <laughs> and, um, and then, yeah, my first memory of fear is just being at this barbecue and then we went to some office building, and I was painting whiteout onto copy paper because they had different colors of white out And I was like, oh, wow, cool. And then I remember getting on an airplane, and then I didn't have a dad anymore, and then I didn't have my house anymore. And so that was kind of the moment. I remember just feeling so confused. And I'm, I mean, I know I put in the book, too. My mom would read me Bible verses, and I'm sure she tried to – I know she tried to explain it to me, but when you're a kid, it doesn't really – like I was 5 years old, you know. Yeah. So um that's when it all started and when I really remember anxiety, I didn't have the word anxiety yet, but I just remember driving to my new school in Miami. We moved um when I was born we moved from Los Angeles to New York to Connecticut to Miami. So I'm 5 years old, living all those places and then I wind up in Miami. And I just remember my stomach was hurting and I felt nauseated all the time. Wow. And so my mom was taking me to doctors and the doctors would say, You're healthy, you just have nervous stomach, you know, just relax and that didn't really help. And yeah, that's when it all started.
0: You then. you actually took that so far as to you were convinced that well, and you you explained sort of how this worked, right? You would hear about things that could go wrong health-wise. And so at one point then you convince yourself that your appendix has ruptured, right? This actually does (laughs) end you up in the hospital.
2: Totally, yeah. Um, This is something we joke about in my family because we like to make light of of difficult things. Um, But yeah, I I read Madeline and I was like, oh, so that's it. I'm going to, my appendix is definitely rupturing right now. And I thought it was, and I collapsed in a grocery store. They took me to the hospital. New doctor, new city, was like, you're great, just relax, you know. So, um, yeah, that's the first chapter of the book is kind of talking through that whole episode. Man,
0: well, it's in, you write in such a, such a fresh way and in, invest the humor right i mean these are very serious things that you're going through but you write about them so humorously that it just keeps you on your toes so very much (laughs) it it is so relatable you talk about your fear of Mm. fire (laughs) natos and similar (laughs) unlikely phenomena but but obviously it is quite serious so so what was that like in this period you know to wake up every day knowing you had to fight this battle all over again
2: yeah, you know, I I that was very intentional. I like reading things that are funny. And I've always, um, you know, I grew up daughter of a comedian, we always laughter was just part of our lives. And we laughed about, you know, funny, silly things. And we also laugh about hard things. Yeah. Um, and growing up as a kid, like some of these things I write about, a lot of them are from adulthood, but I guess in that first chapter, Well, I guess throughout the book, there's some from when I was younger. When I was younger, I didn't think it was funny. You know, when when I thought my appendix was rupturing, I wasn't making jokes about it. But um, I do think it's important for people who deal with fear and anxiety to laugh. And I thought a lighthearted book about it um, that pointed people to the gospel, but also kind of just... you know, I don't know. I like laughing at myself. What did you ask me? I'm sorry. (laughs) No,
0: no. I actually love that you went there with that because I intended fully to ask you about, you know, how humor has really been a healing element in your life, because it's clear that it has been right that you you continue to face life with this big picture view. So that is quite intentional in the way that you structure the book as well.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, I just I wrote I wrote the book the way I I like to read books that make me laugh. So I hope that this book makes people laugh and, and helps them deal with these that, you know, I'm not making light of the things like saying that they're not real. I mean, I've, you know, if you read the book, I've been on anxiety medicine because I couldn't stop hyperventilating and um, and a lot of like real life scary things that weren't just in my head, you know nados totally just in my head and on youtube <laughs> um and in real life sometimes, but you know far fetched but then also you know, I have had um a an internal organ rupture, and you know I've been right next to slash kind of in a tornado, and so um you know these things in the moment you either as a Christian, you either experience the supernatural peace of the Lord or you kind of panic. And I write about both. I write about times that I panicked and I write about times that I ran from the Lord. And I write about times that, um, that he just was, it was, I just had that supernatural peace. And, um, yeah, I just hope to point people to the gospel because that's, that's our only hope. And,
0: yeah. Well, you're listening to a conversation with Scarlett Vital, author of Afraid of All the Things, Tornadoes, Cancer, Adoption, and Other Stuff You Need the Gospel for. And yes, we want to get to the hope of this story. But at this point still, you know, when you continue in your formative years, there is this underlying sort of dual track that your life is running on, right? On Sunday, you're going to church. The rest of the week, you're in show business, really. And the, the way you write about it, I mean, it sounds rather disorienting. Is that a fair take?
2: Yeah, you know, that's one of those things that kind of just in preparing for the promotion of this book, I've kind of had to look back because when you're in your life, you're not really psychoanalyzing your own life, you yes. know? So, yes. like, I don't think I realized that at the time, but as I after I wrote the book, people would ask me, you know, like, why were you afraid? <laughs> I don't know. And that's kind of a hard question. I think... um yeah, I, I was definitely, I mean, my first Sunday being on this earth, I was in church. Um, my parents taught me the gospel. They taught me that it's true. They taught me Jesus is the hope of the world. Um, I write about my mom reading Joshua 1, 9 to me. Um, you know, I mean, it was, it's underlined in my first Bible that I got when I was a baby. And it's when, um, you know, it says, I'm going to read this. Haven't I commanded you be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And um, I, the problem is I took that as it says, haven't I commanded you? So I kind of took it as condemnation rather than the comfort that it is. You know, the Lord is with us. That's a comfort. But I was, the way I was interpreting it was God must be really unhappy with me because I'm not courageous. I'm not strong. Um, And I just, I think that, yeah, I think seeing Hollywood at such a young age, most of my memories are just fun and happy. However, I, you know, I would sit in the wings at these comedy clubs. There's a lot of, I mean, it's just exposure to the world that a lot of kids don't have. And so I think even though my parents pointed out, you know, what they're saying is wrong, this is what we believe is the truth, I think I was just kind of confused. That's my answer.
0: <laughs> That's really good. And explains it so well, because obviously, you know, many of us would wonder what that would be like. So thank you for taking us inside of it. This, oh, yeah. this, you you describe it and touch on it briefly there, but you talk about, right, about sort of an underlying panic that you had,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, not necessarily always actively, but underneath the other fears that you're experiencing. And the question is, am I good enough? Can you take mm-hmm. us inside that? Okay, so
2: this is the question that the Lord helped me find the answer to, and this is really what inspired Afraid of all the things. It's the whole point of the book is understanding that the gospel is not just the thing that saves you. And I think that that was why I had that underlying panic all the time. It was, um, you know, no matter what happens to me on this earth, you know, I believe. You know, at fourteen is when I, I believe I got saved. I believe that I knew Jesus loved me. I saw this play about women on death row who had broken all the rules, and Jesus saved them. So I saw that and it touched me. And I thought, you know what, Jesus his death and resurrection that if I believe that that will get me into heaven, but I better do a really good job of um, earning his favor after that. Right. And I don't think I, I would have said that, but that is definitely how I live. So I always, always was afraid that I was just doing it a little bit wrong. And I would read, you know, versus well done, my good and faithful servant. And I think, what if he doesn't say that to me? Or what if I, you know, what if I wasn't good enough? You know, I'm so selfish and I would just see my flaws and I I wasn't living in the freedom that I had. I, I think I was God, but I had that underlying panic because I didn't have assurance of my faith. Um, I think you asked me a minute ago before I rabbit trailed <laughs> what kind of got me um, to under- the peace, you know? Um, and it happened about seven years ago. And I think this isn't the first chapter, but, um, I was, I was actually a pastor's wife. It was, it was eight years ago now cause I had my first baby and I was like peak panic cause you have a new baby. I think all parents understand that, even if they're not as anxious as I am. <laughs> but, um, I was at this, in this small group of women at this pastor's wives retreat and they were kind of just sharing all this great parenting advice. And I had brought my baby because I did not trust even my husband, to keep her for one night to be at this (laughs) retreat. And my husband is amazing. He's so responsible. He's the best, but I clearly had a problem. And so um, I was bouncing her, like trying to kind of be part of this discussion. And I'm trying to memorize all this advice that these godly women are giving. And then it got to this woman, Elizabeth, who I talk about every day, pretty much now. And um, she, I didn't even know her. And she just said, you know, I don't, My goal is not to raise perfect kids. My goal is not to be a perfect mom. That's impossible. Um, My goal is to just um, live the gospel out in my home, and practically what that looks like is if I snap at my kids or if I fight with my husband, I don't hide it from my children. I apologize to my husband. I apologize to my kids, and then I pray, and I apologize to God and turn from my sin so that my kids can learn what repentance looks like because that is the whole thing that I want our home to be about. That's what I want to teach them, that we're weak and we need Jesus. And that was like, I mean, this light bulb, earth-shattering epiphany for me because, like I said, I had grown up hearing the gospel, but I don't know, something about the way she explained it practically in her home just kind of um, made it go from my head to my heart, I guess. And it changed everything about my life. And, you know, I still battle anxiety, but now I'm not a slave to it because I – I kind of learned that I was living, I was making every decision with kind of this protective defensive stance. Like how can I protect myself and my family? And instead of, you know, waking up and saying, Lord, how can you use me to serve you and love the scared people in this scary world, you know? Um, And I just kind of realized I don't have to have, I don't have to strive to be perfect because Jesus was perfect in my place. And the gospel was powerful enough for every failure of every day. So if I snap at my, three-year-old who for screaming, I could turn around and say, Dewey, I'm so sorry. Mommy sinned. I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. And then uh, I'll apologize to the Lord. And it it doesn't have to be something I despair over. And that was just the most freeing thing. And it, it affected the way I parent and my marriage and especially what I do with my fears, because when I do find myself, you know, (laughs) going through the panic thing in my head and trying to, you know, practice conversations that I'm worried it might happen hypothetically. um, I can take every thought captive and that's not just like a Bible verse I memorized anymore. That's a thing that I do, you know? Um, So that's, that's what changed for me. And that's what I hope um, helps people with their fears.
0: (laughs) Oh, it's a lovely hope. And the book is called afraid of all the things tornadoes, cancer, adoption and other stuff you need the gospel for. Scarlet Hilton Vital with us today on the road. Ryan Thomas is my name. There are so many places to go with that. Another another sentence that you constructed really expressing what you learned from that conversation uh, with Elizabeth. You say, I had never considered the gospel wasn't just for the afterlife, but for after breakfast. (laughs) Can you dig into that for a second? I love the way you put that.
2: I realized it wasn't just this lofty hope I had that okay, I'll I'll go to heaven after I die, but for every failure or everything that I hope for this day right now, I can rest. I don't have to be striving and worrying that I'm not getting it right because Jesus got everything right that matters. You know, my soul is safe, no matter what difficult thing I walk into today or what, no matter how I fail or How badly I do on a podcast interview or a radio interview. You know, it's the
0: gospel. The gospel is enough. That was beautifully done. You know, just in terms of a refreshed perspective, I think the fact that you admit that you have somehow not solved the problem of fear, right? That you have not Mm -hmm. solved the problem of anxiety or panic attacks, but that you from time to time still struggle with many of those same worries and fears but you have this victory that you live in as well. I think that means so much to people. I mean, talk a little bit about the fact that you continue to struggle with that and that this isn't necessarily a message of perfection.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the whole point of the book is it's not really a, how to overcome anxiety and never again feel fear book, because I don't think that's possible because we still live here in the broken, scary place, you know, (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. these things we fear. And sometimes fear is a healthy thing, you know, it's, you know, we're going to be afraid sometimes because we still live in the broken world, but I I forgot where I wrote it, but there's a section about being weak and wanting to be strong, um, you know, it's like being weak is kind of an awful feeling when you're sick or when you've had a surgery. Um, we all want to feel strong, but when we're weak and dependent on the Lord, that is when, that's where we find the actual peace, you know? Um, so just learning to take the, my weakness and my fears to the Lord instead of running from Him, um, I've learned that that's, and just walking in obedience to Him rather than having this defensive stance. Um, That's how I experience the peace. And it is a daily thing. I do have to die to myself daily. Um, And I think that that's the beauty of the Christian life. I think that if I wrote a book that was like, I've got it figured out, this is what you do, and we'll all be okay, then none of us would see our need for the Lord. And, you know, that's the most dangerous spot to be in when you think that you are in control and you think that you've got this and you're fine. Um, That's not reality it's not true until the lord makes everything new um but yeah that's i just i hope people learn to um embrace their weakness and um, his strength and walk in dependence on him
0: scarlet hilton vital the book one more time afraid of (laughs) all the things tornadoes cancer adoption and other stuff you need the gospel for and we don't want to go anywhere without talking about where to learn more about you and your writing and your ministry and pick up a copy of this book, Scarlett.
2: Thanks. Well, um, best place is probably afraid of all the things.com. Um, you can also try scarlethealthavital.com, but good luck spelling that. So <laughs> either one will get you to me. Instagram is scarlethealthavital.com. But yeah, com is definitely the easiest way.
0: For those who do want to Google you, though, maybe just take us through at one-time how to spell Hiltabidal.
2: <laughs> There's a lot of I's and a lot of L's, so get ready. <laughs> H is in Henry, I, I is in Igloo, L is Larry, T is in Tom, I-B-I-D-A-L.
0: <laughs> <laughs> My is... daughters
2: can say that, you know. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Oh my goodness. well it was it was a real treat to talk with you Scarlett. what an amazing story and just what a what an inspiring book. Thanks for being real and thanks for putting yourself out there and sharing this story.
2: Oh, thank you, Ryan. I love this. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thanks for sharing in the story of this latest episode of Faith Radios on the Road. For more on today's conversation and the full podcast archive of all our episodes, look for On the Road when you visit MyFaithRadio.com.